Amen. Amen. You can hear that, can you? You see that? I beat you this morning. I turned my microphone on before you had the chance to say. <laughs> I beat you. Uh, right. Good morning, everybody. I just felt the impartation of a, a passion rising from those who have been to New Day. And maybe uh, if we have time, just have a little time bit later on when maybe Adrian and Beth, if you, if you want prayer, you feel you want an impartation of passion. Don't let's um, get to the situation where things around us pull us down. Um, we need to be in the place where we know the power of God to raise us up. Um, and I just sensed that a little bit this morning, um, that maybe those that have been to New Day can have a little impartation to us. We'll see. Uh, and see where we go. And um, <clears throat> we're in this um, series of little letters, big truths. And I think this morning the letter is the littlest of them all. Um, and, uh, but it's such a little letter and there's a big truth in it. get to it soon and it's uh, the, 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 uh, the little letter this morning is what is called to John um, there are this John was a brilliant guy he was a deep guy the chap that wrote this letter and uh, some theologians suggested that John spent a long long time thinking over what he would write in his gospel and because it comes over as a meditation on Jesus largely, putting things into place, getting the context right, knowing what moved the spirit of man, uh, seeing how the power of Jesus worked in remarkable ways. And so the, the man, John, this John who wrote, who wrote this letter too, uh, as well I mean, um, he um, wrote one John and another one three John and they're all together. Um, if we're going to really understand 2 John, we need to read 1 John. Um, there's not a lot um, in 2 John, which we're going to read this morning, but we'll see, see what we can get and see how the Holy Spirit um, will lead us uh, forward. Um, so if you've got a Bible or a phone, um, we're going to read this to John. It's towards the end of your Bibles. Let's get myself sorted here. To John. I can't say what chapter because it is the only bit of to John. <laughs> so it's to John. Okay. The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth and not only I but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever grace mercy and peace will be with us from God the father and from Jesus Christ the father's son in truth and love I rejoiced greatly 
to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Really? Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Quite profound words, those. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching... Do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Strong words. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Well, just to give a little bit of introduction, um, just want to look at context and the conundrum here. It's around 95 AD. Church is growing despite persecution, a fearful time for Christians as the Roman Emperor Domitian made his mark. He was selectively ruthless and wanted to be known as Master and God. This John, who wrote the letter, originally a close disciple of Jesus, grew in faith following Jesus and became what was known in the New Testament as an apostle. He writes as an apostle, but he calls himself an elder in this letter. An apostle had spent much time with Jesus and witnessed his life, death, and resurrection. He writes as an elderly elder, to the, this elect lady and feels the need to prescribe action towards false teaching. The growing band of false teachers would be an additional threat alongside persecution to the other cultural issues as well. So this letter is written to either, this is the conundrum, so this letter is written to either a prominent Christian lady and her family or, as a wider context, local churches. Uh, the translator J.B. Phillips, who wrote the New Testament, especially for use in schools, he says, nobody knows which. I sat down and tried to, in my own study, define which it was, and in the end I just gave up. So, Wayne Grudem thinks it's the local churches, the Wycliffe translators think it's a prominent lady and her family. 
but the simplicity of the letter precludes the elaborate allegory of, trying, of making it a church. While the tenderness of its tone seems to say it's a personal communication. And that will be my bias this morning towards as a personal letter. That's not my proposal, and it's not my teaching, it's my bias as we think about it this morning. Because in the end, it, it is just a little bit irrelevant, which it is, because the teaching remains the same. The teaching remains the same, and uh, really we can waste some time trying to say what it was. The theologians can't agree, so why should we bother? But anyway, the rest of the truth of letters is, is so important. On a personal level, it, it, just to look at it, on a personal level, if we think of it that way, and it's, as I say, it's my bias, it places this lady in a place of responsibility, which is quite interesting. Within a church context, though, a sort of conundrum, if you like, and, um, and I think it's helpful to look at it both ways, because I think there are lessons we can learn from it both ways. I'm not going to pursue that route, um, I'm just going to look at really the face value of the letter and to ask ourselves uh, in a minute um, which, which, which is the, what is the big truth about this letter. It's a little letter and it, there's big truth here. So we're going to look, we're just going to see what the big truth is. Then I want to pause and ponder what we know as the incarnation, which is the, the point of the truth that is under question here a defense of Jesus coming in the flesh. And there were all sorts of teaching about at that time, not only this one, but maybe this is quite serious. Is that why they, that's why the false teachers chose this, because um, if the Christians failed to believe this wonderful, amazing truth of the incarnation, the building comes down. The building comes down. Not only that, it takes the joy out of Christmas, which is slowly approaching down the road. We remember so wonderfully and so joyously, and sometimes without giving it a thought, that's our amazing God there. That's our amazing God and the way he came. God manifest in the flesh. so important just to pause a moment and to think about that so we'll pause and ponder in pausing and pondering we will need to just see what John wrote in his first letter because he has a wonderful way of just describing that what his own personal experience was about Jesus in the flesh what is the big truth in this letter, well, truth. Truth is the big truth in this letter. The defense of it, the protecting of it, rejoicing in it, and keeping it safe, and passing it on to others. That's the whole point. The big truth is, first of all, well, truth. Because we cannot begin to enter in to what God has done for mankind through his redeeming 
sacrifice and power unless we uphold a truth, unless we uphold truth, biblical truth. What is the big truth, world truth? Next, and these need to be seen together, honouring, preserving and protecting authentic gospel truth in the context of love, in the context of love. He lays the foundation of love as he unfolds just his main thought of whatever you do as you protect the truth must be done according to love, a certain type of love. And in the Bible, love is translated mainly in four very important ways, and we'll come to that just a bit later. In this, um, in this letter, the love is agape. I hope I've pronounced that right. It's one of the four main Greek words used to trans or translated love. And here, that's the love which is unconditional, selfless, committed despite circumstances, practical, obedient, hopeful, honest, true, and so on. That's the love he's talking about. It's not the other loves, although some of them are interwoven apart from one of them, and that is eros, which is the romantic sexual love. And um, strangely enough, the translators translated all these Greek words as love. And I say that because we're in a generation where it's getting the loves mixed up. And so it's important to underscore truth of the Bible and the love that we know as Christians is mixed up with the eros love, the romantic and the sexual love and all that goes with it. So as the church grows towards the second century, nothing has succeeded to stop, destroy the true church of Jesus Christ. Nothing ever will. So as we look at this letter, whilst, um, whilst John writes into this situation, hold on to the truth. What binds Christians together is not social compatibility or political compatibility or class compatibility. What binds us together is a common truth, and that truth is absolutely all Jesus. That truth is absolutely all Jesus. That is why truth is important to Christians, also to the impact of the true church. So we've asked ourselves, what is the big truth? Well, it's there. It's the truth. Defense of the truth, if you like. As Beacon, we need to be in that place today in defense of the authentic gospel truth. All that Jesus is, was, and will be, and all the teaching he brought and gave to us. We, Beacon church, community, whatever you like to call that, we need to mark ourselves consistently with knowing what the truth is and living by it, protecting the truth. That's why we hear so much about it. The whole rescue mission by God for mankind is dependent on that embryo of certain hope. 
contained within a young girl's virgin womb. She was carrying for nine months from here to there, the eternal creator, God. We, the incarnation of God in flesh is so important to the gospel we have. Deity was not united with Jesus after his birth. He was born a saviour, Christ the Lord. This is just reflecting on some channels of the teaching which may be compromised and which are compromised today. Jesus never came into flesh, but as flesh. Jesus never came into flesh, he came as flesh. God manifest in the flesh. John relates the human interaction experienced with Jesus. One anothering, camaraderie, conversation, culture, circumcision if you like, Meal times were all demonstrations of God manifest in the flesh. We had a house group um, once and uh, a lady came to us and called Margaret out, outside. Um, Jesus didn't have a, did he? And we had, Margaret had to answer that question. He didn't have a male organ. But how can you circumcise? God manifest in the flesh. It's very important because none flesh cannot be sacrificed. None flesh cannot demonstrate selfless love. None flesh cannot be as human as we want. I love the Matthew video we did down at Sea Street years ago because it showed Jesus so very human. Hope you remember that, <laughs> because it sticks with me, how very human he was. So in 1 John 1, which I mentioned just now, this is the way John put it, because John spent time with Jesus, I said, as a disciple and becoming an apostle. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. I think they're such amazing words. Here's a man that was so close to Jesus so he said, look, guys, this is my experience. I saw him, I heard him, I touched him, and I spent time. And in that Matthew video, we saw that happening. It was so wonderful. But then to endorse that from Scripture, in 1 Timothy 3.16, it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That's what New Day was all about. A God manifest in the flesh. Isn't that amazing? That all those young people and all those adults and whoever it was can come to know a personal Jesus. Amazing. 
So I just want to ask ourselves, what do we want from the truth? And then I'm going to have a couple of testimonies about what a couple of people got from the truth. That's what I'd be upholding. So if there was no Christian biblical foundation and truth, all those young people wouldn't have received healing last week. We're sitting here this morning, and I, I want to ask you, what do you want from truth? What do you want from the truth, the biblical truth? Well, truth. People who have an electricity bill know the truth of the amount they've got to pay. But if you phone up and try to talk them about your bill, you may not know what truth might get a bit mixed up. There's a, a bit of dichotomy there, isn't there, between what the truth is and what people understand as the truth. Thank God we have our Bibles that we can know. Well, if you've got a medical problem, you want to know the truth, don't you? You don't want to know some... Oh, well... <coughs> yeah. When I go to my wholesalers to buy stuff, I say, well, what's the price of that? And they say, such and such and such and a price. And I've gotten the habit of saying to them, you grabbed that price from up above that ceiling, didn't you? Um, rather than to looking and to see the best price they could do in, in my past life. So what do we want? We, we want the truth. We want it medically. We want truth we can depend on. We want truth which we can rely on. We want truth we can trust. We want truth about ourselves. And the Bible gives us all of those, especially the truth about ourselves. If we don't understand the biblical truth about ourselves, we won't understand what God has, to, the truth about what God wants to give us in all its beautifulness. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And God is doing that through Jesus. So wherever we come. So what do you want from truth? Well, I did my uh, weekly shopping trip with Margaret this week. And uh, my first port of call is the row of papers to see what the headlines are. And uh, they grab my, they don't always grab my attention, but this week the whole four papers grabbed my attention. The first paper had hallelujah on it, so that grabbed my attention. The next paper um, had the headline, we live so close but can't enjoy it. And I was referring to the sea with the sewage. People who live near the sea can't go in the sea, but they couldn't enjoy it. Well, and there was another headline about a person's dreams being over. They couldn't pursue their dreams. And then I saw a little bit about a guy called Anton Dubeck, I think is on Strictly Come Dancing, how in his earlier life, his father had abused him and stabbed him with a knife, and he had a wound. And I thought, what's going on here? The hallelujah was about Bullockston Road, which is now open, been closed for a year. And so I thought, praise God, God's opened up a road for me to go to heaven. 
and be with him eternally. And I thought, yeah, that's a hallelujah. And then I thought about living so close but can't enjoy. Sometimes we live so close to the truth of God's word but we're not enjoying something we're not enjoying here. So close but so far away. I wonder how close we are to the truth but we're not getting the benefit of it. We're not enjoying the power of God. We're not knowing the power of God. And I think there's many, many Christians, the church is living in this place. We're so close but not enjoying it because of the pollution all around us. The persons whose dreams were over. I thought to myself, there must be a truth to all these situations. And there is. It's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus, he's the art, he's the truth. So we want truth, don't we? We want truth from truth. We want truth that works. The first thing I want to say is about apprehending the truth. Um, years ago, there used to be a pier in Herm by, well, even on the little one, and around the pier, there are these little round things called life belts, okay? You walk past them, you see them, you know they're there. You see them when you walk past. You know they're for helping people in difficulty. And a guy falls in the water, or a lady, sorry, I don't be sexist here. Um, a person falls in the water, and they get into difficulty, and they say, well, I know there's a life belt here somewhere. Oh, yes, here it is. They unwrap it off the side of the road and throw it into the water. And there it is. And so the person in difficulty in the water says, oh, thanks, mate. He said, I know all about those lifeboats up there, life belts up there. They're for saving people, helping people in difficulty. He's not apprehending the life belt. And so he says, I'll take my chances. You know, God's thrown us a lifeline in this world and if we don't apprehend the truth, if we don't take the truth of it, we won't find our way back to God. Jesus is the truth and you say, I know all about Jesus. Yeah, I, 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 I sing carols at Christmas. I know he was a baby, possibly grew up. I know perhaps that he died. Um, but, but, but what more? And we live in that sort of world. So many know about Jesus, but they don't apprehend. They don't grasp hold of what he's given us through his life, his death, and resurrection. And I just want to challenge you this morning. If you're in that place this morning, it's no good just believing this truth about Jesus. You have to take hold of it. You have to take hold of it. And there is a truth that leads us to Jesus. So as apprehension, as access, the Bible talks about truth gives us access into the grace wherein we stand. And sometimes we sing, before the throne of grace I stand. Do you know we have access to the throne of God? Christians have access to the throne of God. Is that so amazing? Uh, Peter was singing about His Excellency Jesus. The Bible talks that the Christians have access to the throne of God. I think that's so amazing. But is that not something we're grasping hold? Is something we're not apprehending? I think there are many things and times we do. Healing, for example. Access. 
The next thing that we want from truth is assurance. We're on the right road, in the right place, doing the right thing, and knowing my future is secure in Jesus Christ. Do you want that assurance? The truth, biblical truth, feeds that and gives us that. And we can say within no doubt I have in my mind that in Jesus, my future is secure. It's more than secure, it's a reward. And John mentions the reward in his letter. We need assurance. The other thing we need is accountability, but Bob's going to do that next week, I think, or the next week's after, in John 3. So I'm not going to talk about accountability. That's his problem. But do you know we have a pot of gold in our Bibles? I was um, a Gideon for about 30 years in this area. I served as chairman two or three times. I served as area coordinator for one time. And uh, the privilege of going into schools, taking assemblies, was a lovely experience. And we gave out these little things, the word of God. It's, the, 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 um, the ministry has run into difficulties currently, um, but that's due to the Southern Baptists in America. But... What I'm really coming to is, is to what two people got from the truth by reading the word of God. And I want to read a couple of testimonies to you. Just from their magazine of testimonies. Every ministry seems to have a magazine of testimonies. The first I want to read is John's story. John's story begins in Leicester Prison. Whereas a junkie who was serving time for being convicted of some offences, he came across a Bible which had been placed by Gideons. He had been addicted to heroin for many years and tried all sorts of things to get off the drugs. One time on trial, he felt as the magistrate looked at him, the magistrate was sort of saying, you're wretched. That's what he felt. One time, he then landed a job as an education orderly in prison. And that meant he cleaned the toilets better. That's for next year. You can maybe become a new day orderly next year. He cleaned the toilets. After a while, and taking a pay cut, he became a chaplain's orderly, which helped arrange other interns coming to chaplain's classes. It was great being in the chaplain's classes. People would come in and tell you about Jesus. You got cake and tea. I quite enjoyed it, although I thought they were as mad as hatters. Once we had this man come to speak at the prison, formerly a mafia guy, a big thug, and he asked if anyone wanted their pain, guilt and shame taken from them. I thought I really wanted my pain, guilt and shame to be taken away, even though I didn't really believe them. Along with other men, I got up and sort of made a commitment to God. I said a prayer, and nothing seemed to happen. Didn't change any way or shape or form, no revelation. I thought it was a waste of time. Back in my cell, 
the Bible was open when I returned, and I looked it and read it again and again. Then the penny dropped. God died for me. The one who had created everything had died on the cross for me. I cried and cried and cried. Jesus Christ had died for me. I was free from my sin, my guilt and my shame, all taken from me. There and then, I was still a junkie, and in my naiveness, I asked the Lord to heal me. Immediately, I was healed. Drugs couldn't heal me. The psychiatrist couldn't heal me. Rehab couldn't heal me. But with Christ, nothing is impossible. When I got out, God even restored my relationship with my wife and children. My friend Ruth took me to a Methodist church and the preacher quoted from the Bible, which went straight to my heart. And looking over into the choir, I thought I saw a guy I knew. He turned out to be the magistrate at Chesterfield Magistrates Court, who decided that I couldn't have bail then. He was a Methodist local preacher. I thought they would not want me at church and would kick me out. But the dear man came over to me, took my hand, and shook it and said, Welcome, brother. I went to his house group and I told him, I could shout from the highest hilltops how great God is. Three weeks later, I was on trial to be a local preacher. How God moved, how God's work, that's just one person, what he got from the truth. God's saving, redeeming truth had to be preserved. That's what the letter's all about. Christ manifest in the flesh. God manifest in the flesh. And then lastly, slightly different sort of story, but this is Kathy's story, what she got from the truth. There's another story about Kathy, who as a child had enjoyed colouring in church. Parents stopped her going to church, wasn't allowed to say God or Jesus at home, desperately wanted to get hold of a Bible. When she went to her new school, she was given a New Testament, which she frequently read. Growing up as a normal teenager, she developed an eating disorder. Then whilst wandering around a bookstore, she found a book on positive thinking. It has scriptures in it which advised her to take or to read the medicine three times daily. Um, you know, he advised when you take your medicine, you will be medical medicine, but the book advised her to take it like medicine and read the Bible three times daily. As she did, she felt like an inner power healed her from the eating disorder. No one else involved. She wasn't at all sure about God or gospel and left it. Then becoming pregnant at university and drifting into a difficult relationship, she started to read the Bible again. It was like God shining a light on her life and that she was under repression to her situation. Asking God to get her out of a difficult relationship, he did. Eventually finding a church, she found the love she was seeking 
after looking for love in all the wrong places, she found it in Jesus. And we're living in a society where many, many people are looking, searching for love, but in the wrong places. If you want to know what love is, as John writes in this book, it's found in Jesus. That's the genuine, selfless love that he gives to us. How amazing is the gospel that we need to hold on to. God manifest in the flesh. And we're going to celebrate communion in a moment. And um, if you if you, Jewish, you you want an impartation of um, passion, then you go to Bev and Adrian. I'm sure they'll they'll pray with you. But as well as Wally has prayed this morning, healing. Let's grab hold, let's apprehend the truth that the Bible talks about. To pray for healing. Pray for yourself. I do it. Pray for each other. Pray against, because I've said this before, lots of things I say before, and I know I've said them before. I'm not coming into dementia just at the moment. Um, I say them purposely. Um, You know? Pray for yourselves. When it doesn't happen, keep praying. We're standing against the fingerprint and the wiles of the devil. Anything health-wise is a fingerprint of the devil. But, you know, ultimately, it can be traced back to his fingerprint because it's imperfection. And I believe God has given us the truth in his word to apprehend the power to heal. Grab hold of it, just like that life belt. If you just leave it floating in the water, it eventually float away. So whatever truth we're given from God's word, healing, mentally, physically, or if you're in a situation, hold on there, hold on. God's word, the truth found in the Bible, will prevail in your situation. We need to hold on to all these things in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus. Father, bless you, name. Thank you. Jesus, what have you done? What have you done for us? If you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. The Bible, we need to be in our Bibles, and I come across really impacted me this week. I've never seen it this way before. The Bible talks about the milk of the word. And the lady said this, the milk of the word, milk is food for babies that's gone through the digestive system of another. Now, there's an important point here, because if we, if we only listen to sermons, it's like drinking milk. It's gone through the digestive system of another, another preacher's digested the word of God and you're just listening to it what the Bible challenges us is to pursue the truth by reading and studying God's word I know we've got readers here but not many studiers we need to know what our Bibles say pursue that in Jesus name Amen